guys. This is going to be a new series we're starting for our On Time Appraisals podcast. The whole point of this podcast we're starting and we're hoping to bring to you weekly is to guest speakers and inform everybody on how an appraisal works, the different types of appraisals, and how we could basically help improve that process. But stay tuned. Here's here's the topic I ran into this week with the homeowner. What's the difference between my assessment and your, and your appraisal? Because technically, at least in, in, in New York State, your, the, the assessed value of your property is supposed to reflect market value. So it doesn't have to, it's supposed to reflect, it doesn't have to be equal to it. But the way to differentiate the two is this. The purpose of the assessment is so that similar properties in, in, in the same community pay the same or relatively the same amount of property tax. So the amount of the assessment doesn't matter. What matters is that the amount of the assessment for your house is pretty close to the amount of assessment for somebody in your town that has a house like yours. So the two of you are paying similar property tax. The estate value has nothing to do with it. So the actual market value could be a lot higher or a lot lower than the assessment. The assessment and the market value don't necessarily have to be equal. They do compute what they call an equalization rate, which takes a broad amount of data and tries to take the assessed value and, and peg it to like the an market. AVM. Like, like an AVM, right. Okay. An automated valuation model. But the thing is there you don't know what data was included and what data was left out, and if the outliers on the high end were included or left out, outliers on the low end were included or left out. So statistics can be manipulated. That's why we have a, an associate that all he does for a living is challenge property assessments. And he makes a damn good living doing it because, it's, really good. because it's probably the most misapplied tax that there is, but if you keep in mind the purpose of it is so that similar properties are paying the same amount of tax, it, it makes it a lot more palatable to the, the homeowner, to the average homeowner, that so you understand the difference between the assessed value and the market value. The taxes go up because the assessment went up, because the spending went up. They do that on purpose. We've always seen them salting the roads when it's not even snowing. You dig deeper into it, why that's happening. It's, well, we're allocated this, and if we don't use it we this year, we're not going to get it next year. Exactly. What I've heard is when assessment's going up, they randomly check the sales in the area. They check the higher sales, and then they calculate percentile to increase it. So from an appraiser's point of view, is it always going to be a winning factor if somebody says, I'm going to challenge my assessment, so I need an appraisal. So what do you recommend to those clients? Uh, it's a very tough question. It's a tough question to get because because the answer, it's not straightforward. You, you don't know what the property is going to appraise for just by looking at the assessment. I mean, you, you might have a feel for it if you're really familiar with the neighborhood. I say, gee, you know, that assessment, that looks out of line. You know, that, that may be something you may want to, you know, look into. So... There's a couple ways of doing that. You can hire somebody to do it, like this one person that we know, but that, for the average homeowner, that's probably not 
a really good option unless you're looking at a huge reduction in your assessment. That's more for commercial, correct? For commercial property or like really unique properties. That I landfill get, case. The landfill case, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a case where the homeowner contacted me because he wanted to challenge his assessment and he wanted an appraisal to challenge his assessment. I said, okay, fine. And when we started digging into the details, part of his property is, is on Rundequoit Bay over here in Lake Ontario. It's a beautiful house, a nice location. Part of it is on pillars that are driven into the, the hundreds of old landfills that had experienced some subsidence over the years. So it was shifting. And he's developing cracks and with little fissures in his plaster and drywall. I said, this is beyond this, the scope of work here is beyond just a simple appraisal. We're going to call it a big gun. <laughs> and that's when I called uh, Rick Snowy. That's what he does. This is the kind of thing that you're not going to explain with a 12-page document. You're going to need to weave a story and explain you know, what's, what's happening and why this needs to be adjusted. And he did. He had the assessment reduced by $200,000. Wow. In a town where the, the rate is about $50 a thousand, save the guy 10 grand off wow. his property tax bill. If you're in a subdivision or you know you have a home that conforms to a lot of other homes in your area, the appraisal probably is sufficient. But if you have a unique situation like that, or a really unique property, then you want to you want to look dig a little scratch a little deeper. I think it's important to hire the correct people previous to hiring you. I remember this person had hired one of the top attorneys in our local area that he paid thousands of dollars for. It's been over $100,000 to fight an appraisal on a three or $4 million property. And it got nowhere until you guys took over the case. Here you go to Supreme Court with an administrative law judge and the assessor, you, the administrative law judge, and the assessor gets to make the decision. But if you have an overwhelming preponderance of evidence, the administrative law judge said, well, take care of this. And hopefully, you know, it works out. But I, I've teamed up with Rick Snowy on a number of cases over the years where she says, Annie, we got to get the square footage on this down. I said, we'll take care of it, Rick. Don't worry about it. We need an appraisal and my narrative. So we'll go out. A lot of it is unique property that we end up doing collaborations on. Well, let's talk about your regular cookie cutter houses, right? Yeah. So when people's assessments go up, they don't only go up for your house individually, they go up they for, go for everybody. There's cases where your house has deferred maintenance or has other issues. It's not what it seems to be. It's outdated where your house doesn't appreciate as much as the average house because of those reasons that might help. On the contrary, we've also ran into those cases where we do appraise the house and we're like, hey, listen, your house it's is worth okay. way more than the assessment. So if I were you, I'd yeah, keep my mouth shut. Yeah. yeah, this is something you do not want to open, this Pandora. Yeah. We've had, and conversely, we've run into them. First thing we want to do is establish, get the square footage down. Because if the assessor has the square footage wrong, then you have factual information that's very easy to discuss. We have a house where a fellow has like an enclosed three-season room. It's included in the square footage. It should be included as, as an amenity, but it's not square footage. So they make an adjustment on square footage. Those are the kind of discussions that when you have them with an assessor, 
everybody gets on the same page pretty quick and they get resolved pretty, pretty readily. It's especially where you're just arguing over which capital was a better one yeah. and why. Those, those, can, those can get kind of messy. But an appraiser yeah. can identify those and also give an idea of what kind of contribution to value certain amenities have. Point is, you can't really tell if the assessment is true or untrue to your property until you get a full appraisal done. It might help your case or your house may be worth more than it is, but at least now you know and you're not opening up Pandora's box. Another question I have all the time is, in March, Fannie Mae changed their home measuring standards. A measuring standard has been around for a long time, but they've adopted it. So now it's a universally applied measurement standard. Okay. This gets, this opened a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that play into the assessment case for the square footage? That's a great question. The assessor does not have to comply with any particular measurement standard. It's also not part of USPAP, the University Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice. Yeah. It doesn't say anywhere in USPAP that appraisers have to abide by this measurement standard. This is strictly for the secondary lending market. For Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginnie Mae, all these, these quasi-government agencies. They created the mortgage industry. You know, you, know you, you write mortgages, you sell them to the secondary market. In order to do that, things have to be standardized. So they're comparing apples to apples. So that's why they, made, they went to this, this universal measuring standard. Now, it's a lot different than the standard, the, the, the square footage numbers an assessor might have. Case, here's the best case in point. In one of the towns up here in the northwest part of town, there are a lot of Cape Cod style homes. Most of them originally were built as two bedroom, one level homes with an unfinished attic. The attic's big and has dormers, so there's a lot of space up there. And over the years, people convert that to like a master bedroom or maybe two more bedrooms. Yeah. And they'll usually have a pitched roof, ceiling, and a knee wall, maybe a three or a four foot knee wall. And measure the interior of that, maybe allow for a four foot knee wall, you measure the square foot, you add it to the square foot just because it's finished square foot. It's part of the central heating system is connected to it. So it's, it's all contiguous. Everybody in the world would say, yeah, that's part of the house, that's part of the square footage. Not necessarily when you apply this ANSI standard. Because under ANSI standard, you have to have a minimum of a seven foot ceiling height over 50% of that square footage. So now as an appraiser, you're up there measuring the ceiling. This is gonna make it. So that that's second floor bedroom, master bedroom with a half a bed, all of a sudden is not part of your square footage. And you've got an irate real estate broker down on the first floor chatting with a homeowner saying, oh yeah, this is 1,600 square feet. I said, no, it's 1,200 square feet. He said, well, how do you account for that space? Well, you, you, you account for it as, you count it as a bedroom, you count it as a half a bath, yeah. and you count it, you figure the contributory value, not based on the square footage, but as a finished attic. So you still get the value. It's just allocated differently. And it's hard to explain that, especially to real estate workers that don't adopt that standard. Little by little, catching on. That conversation yeah. with appraisers who, who, have to, who have to follow that after if they're doing work for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which is 80% of the mortgage market. What about this? Cape Cod's 
Okay, that makes sense. Split levels. If it's below grade, it's not counted as square foot, even if it's partly below grade. So you got a split level or a raised range style house, you know, a good chunk of the square footage is, is below or partly below grade. That's a finished basement. You might have a family room, a bedroom, another bathroom, a utility room, a lot yep. You may even have another level down. You count the rooms, but not the square footage. And then you add in finished basement, <laughs> the kind of contributory value. So you're really kind of double counting it. So you should end up in about the same place. What if, which these are rare, but split levels have a basement below that. Essentially, you have two, two basements. basements. Didn't we run into one of those recently? It had two yeah. basements. Interesting. It had a basement below the basement. So it was partly below grade, and then there was one that was completely below grade. Wow. So you get a finished basement adjustment, and then you get a utility basement get, adjustment. That, that's going to yep. be a wash with most of your comparables. It's yep. just going to wash. You're not going to get any. There's not going to be any bang there for that. But no. the finished basement part, absolutely. There's contributory value in this market for sure. Can you explain what substitutes and comparables are? When you praise a house, say you have a, a ranch in a subdivision, you say, well, we'll get three or four comparables. And that is a universal term that just about every appraiser in North America uses. But it's really a bad word. The better word is, what is a good alternate substitute for the subject? Well, obviously it'd be another ranch. So those would be your your substitute properties. But if there are no ranches, then what's your next best alternate substitute that has the most similar utility, square footed, you know, bedroom? Maybe a raised ranch. Maybe a split level, maybe a Cape Cod if it, if it has two or three bedrooms and has a finished attic. So the, 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 the terminology that is, is best be used is sub. These are my substitutes. These are my all, all alternative substitute properties. But, you know, if you want to talk from appraiser to appraiser, these are my comparables. Talk to underwriters at bank. Do you have any other capital? It's just a little bit of terminology. I mean, I understand what they're talking about. The homeowner, you want to think in terms of what's a reasonable substitute. Yep. So we're trying to basically take a step back and say, if I was in the shoes of this buyer and I'm buying this property A over here for this price, and let's say this house was sold, would I buy one, two, or three? Any other questions? Yeah, we covered a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in and we're going to bring this to you weekly. So feel free to like, share, and if you guys have any other questions or there's a topic that you would like us to cover, drop it down in the comments, send us an email, and we'll make sure to cover those topics as well. And don't forget to subscribe.